I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Leslie Lair, and she's the author of A Boob's Life, How America's Obsession Shaped Me and You. Leslie Lair wants to talk about boobs. She's gone from size AA to quadruple D and everything in between, from puberty to motherhood, enhancement to cancer and beyond. And she's not alone. These are classic life stages for women today. She explores both the joys and hazards inherent to living in a woman's body. She deftly blends her personal narrative with national history, starting in the 1960s with the women's liberation movement and moving to the current feminist dialogue and what it means to be a woman. Her insightful and clever writing analyzes how America's obsession with the female form has affected her own life's journey and the psyche of all women today. Actress Selma Hayek is developing this critically acclaimed new memoir into a comedy series for HBO Max. Uh, Lear's personal essays have been featured on Oprah and in the New York Times Modern Love column, which was narrated by Katie Couric on NPR. Uh, she's been in Huff Post, Your Tango, and in anthologies, including Mommy Wars. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Nice to have you on today. Thank you. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so I'm assuming you are the boob expert. And, uh, well, that's, <laughs> is that true? that's what the New York Times calls me. <laughs> okay. The boobs ex- expert. And everyone's interested in boobs, women and men, obviously, probably from different perspectives, right? Which is what we're going to talk about today. So should we start out with uh, breast cancer because, and then work our way backwards or forwards? I'm not sure which, but you were diagnosed with breast cancer, what, 12 years ago, 11 years ago? Gosh, I guess uh, 11 years ago now. Yeah, it was a, uh, quite a surprise. I must say, yes. And, and that's, was- kind of, that's how the book is framed, I think. You know, I went through all that and then came out of it, and my boobs were still not perfect after they should have been after all that. And I just thought, oh, my gosh. And then why do I care so much? I'm alive. You know, why, why do they need to look a certain way? Well, maybe that's the question I should ask you. Why do you care so much, or why do women care so much? Like you just said it. I'm alive. I'm healthy. Uh, but I still care I still, you know, that's great, but your relationship with your boobs go beyond that. Uh, there's an, another connection. How do I look? You know, all all of that. And let's maybe talk about some of those attitudes toward boobs. Well, I could answer that in about 365 pages. Okay. It's, <laughs> it starts when we're so young. I mean, it is it is a sign of female gender. You know, most of America has breasts and we, through our entire lives, you know, we want them, we, our mothers have them and then we get them and then we're so excited to have them. And then we have to hide them to downplay our sexuality to get jobs. And then we have to show them to attract a mate and then we use them to feed our children. And then we're really flat. And then the, you know, culture does not respect that, how that looks. And then many of us get uh, breast implants and many of us have breasts that try to kill us. So we go through this evolution our entire lives. And of course, we want to look beautiful and breasts are a part of what makes a woman beautiful and signifies from someone entering a room. In fact, men uh, look at a woman's chest within 200 milliseconds of a person coming in a room, just on an instinctual biological level. 
looking for a mate. And then our culture has harnessed that instinct to make dollars for advertising. And when I was growing up, it was at its peak with uh, Playboy and baby formula that turned breasts not into being for babies, but into sex. And uh, Uncle Sam contributed to that, you know, and now women are even more trapped by our bodies and, and what we do. And um, in, in the 80s, small breasts were considered, it was actually a, a, an FDA or know, some other organization said that they were a disease, which, you know, led the rise to breast implants. And we still make fun of how people look. There's boob jokes. And that night I got out of the shower and looked at my body really for the first time after I was feeling healthy again. And I was so upset that my husband accused me of being obsessed. And I thought, I'm a feminist. How can I be obsessed with breasts? And we were supposed to have a date night, you know, in our new home celebrating my survival. And um, we sat down and then put the TV on and a comedian made a boob joke. And I thought, okay, why is he making fun of this part of my body? And I'm not the only one obsessed. And I had to figure out why and if I wanted to fix them and what it meant. And so that that's the overriding question of this. The whole book, I mean, this morning, Catherine, we both woke up and had to decide what to do with our breasts. Do we want to put on a bra? Do we want to pike them up or flatten them down or match our panties? Or how do we want to present our bodies to the world and, and be judged that way? Were you in my bedroom this morning? That's exactly right on target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just nailed it. Uh, yeah, That's, it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. And it's so true. Well, uh, you know, during COVID and when you're doing a radio show and nobody can see you, do I need to wear a bra? Or do I not need to wear a bra? And, you know, how's that going to impact my interview? Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, uh, yeah, you just uh, you just you did just nail it. But OK, so the book, yeah. are you writing the who are you writing the book for? Well, I wrote it for me. I mean, I, I needed to answer the question, am I obsessed and why? So I essentially went through my life as an every woman and granted an entitled white middle class woman growing up in the Midwest in Ohio and looking at beauty queens and cheerleaders and Miss America and wanting to look like that. And, you know, we are judged. And even now with social media, you know, our children are using filters and I follow all these body positivity things. And yet, I still use filters sometimes, and you know, to, to present myself to the world and my, I want to look good. And I really just, I needed to find out how do I best live in this world. And, and I realized that unconsciously, just the things I listened to and watched and saw were reflected in how people judge me and even how I judge other women and my unhappiness with my own body and how it really did link even to the laws that support women with childcare and, you know, family leave and even, you know, our rights of our own body and even a lack of social security when we're taking care of our children. You know, this is really a huge job that helps the country. And so I wrote it for me and then it expanded to be, I learned so much and then this is the ironic thing is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. I write novels. And so I was able to tell all these stories and yet analyze it from this perspective of, wow, this is how it's really affecting everyone. And on the week that it hit number one in feminist literature on Amazon, it always also was picked up as a comedy series for television. So clearly, you know, it has something for everyone. And all these subjects are are covered, you know, between from Victoria's Secret to cheerleading to breastfeeding and, and advertising and, 
you know, the, the women in our legislature and, of course, breast cancer, which only, you know, is about two main chapters I talk about in my experience. I did not have the BRCA gene, and that was such a big deal. And even now, even since right now, I'm talking to you because the paperback just came out, and so I was able to add this whole new chapter, um, you know, dealing, going back to Ohio, I got to be in a parade and be a beauty queen, and it wasn't because I had breast. It was because... I was writing about breasts and it was this ironic situation, you know, with my dad who had passed away since then, you know, just a couple of months ago, but he was the one who had Playboy and was raised to be Mr. America. And, you know, and I was influenced by all of that. So it turns out that I wrote it for everyone and I am getting letters from people all over the world and saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize why I was so unhappy. And oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much my breasts do. And, and even men who are like, oh, wow, I, I grabbed it for the sexy cover. I, I, you know, snuck it from my wife, but I had no idea, you know, what that's like when I'm looking at someone's boobs or how amazing this organ is that doesn't even have a doctor. Or I was in uh, Tennessee last week talking to someone and they were talking about, you know, doing their will. And I, I said, oh, you know, be sure and let people know if you don't want to wear a bra, in the great hereafter because funeral homes will put a bra on your breast, you know, because they're not <laughs> sacred or they can't be touched. I mean, you, we don't, we have no idea all the stuff that happens because of our breasts. And even, you know, breast implants are the hot, biggest selective surgery that women have in the United States. And it did not go down after COVID. It went up and it's because of our gender identity. And, and now I'm learning to even equate that to breast reconstruction after cancer because we want to feel like women. And yet then also we're kind of trapped being women without kind of the same rights. So I wrote it initially for me and it just became this huge, you know, this huge thing. Yeah, it became a history of boobs and how it affects our lives, which it does. And, you know, and, and I was I, actually listening to your book on Audible. And uh, wow. I, it, so, yeah, and it kind of brought me back to all my uh, boob uh, situations. I mean, I know going yeah. through puberty, you were actually going through puberty. If you had got your period and then you had some breasts, there was kind of a status symbol associated with that. Those who had them Having and those who didn't. And a, yes. and a bra. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So, but then it, you it, were, it. yeah, it was a status symbol. It was a good thing. And then always boys wanting to touch your, you know, middle school and always wondering, I remember, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, this, your book brought up all of these kind of sort of past memories, but, uh, why are boys so interested in my breasts? They're not that interesting. I mean, I kind of could stand, you know, if they want to touch them, well, okay. I mean, I, I don't get the big deal, but, uh, you know, and we would discuss it amongst, our, you know, amongst our friends and stuff and on yeah. and on. But uh, yeah, they're just so, your whole social, I guess your whole social being as a woman has to, is tied up with your breasts. Yeah. But I'll, yeah, and I'll, everybody I'll sh- has a boob story, and, yeah, and I just want us to talk about it. We don't talk about them too much. We just, you know, deal with them. And um, breasts are, are this wonderful thing that also can be kind of bad. And I want us to, I, you know, I, I have mugs that say, love your boobs, you know, and it's it's hard to do. Our, our boobs don't always look like that perfect teenage plump, you know, ideal boob that not all of us ever have. You know, and, and then they're looked at like that to attract a mate to have children, and then they never look like that again. Yeah. And why is that bad, you know? 
Well, I, you know, having breastfed, yeah, and I've mentioned this on the show before, but having breastfed three of my three boys, so they were almost two years old. So, you know, that Ah. changed my boob situation. And I remember (laughs) with the last one, you know, one boob becomes bigger than the other because he favored that breast for just right. for whatever reason. And, you know, at that point, I just kind of gave up. I don't care what I look like. I mean, it, I'm really not interested. I'm interested in having a good nursing relationship with him and uh, kind of gave up all that. You know, do I look good? Does, you know, one boob's bigger than the other? Um, but yeah, so that, you know, that had to do with body image. And Absolutely. yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it changes along the way. But then there was the whole, what about this? I mean, you know, have all these Vogue models, uh, which is an, mm-hmm. kind of another, the other end of the boob situation where they're totally flat chested. They don't have boobs, really skinny. And that's supposed to be attractive as well. Um, and well, that, yeah, yeah, but that was mainly because those women are built like hangers. And so they, you know, fit clothing very well from the designers. And then, uh, you know, so that's, that's, a, that's a status that most women can't obtain just because we happen to like food, you know, and our bodies <laughs> need to create babies and they have to feed them. So that also is an unrealistic form. And then the Victoria's Secret models, you know, these women aspire to wear that miracle bra. This was back in the heyday when up to $15 million of diamonds on their breasts, the miracle, you know, in the TV shows, a crown for their breasts. And most of those women had breast implants, what they were called the Brazilian bee, you know, teeny tiny little ones, because otherwise they wouldn't be so tall and thin. Those are just not that body type. And the things they put their bodies through to maintain that, you know, slim physique are are really tough, you know, and, and, and eating disorders that came up even from people like Jane Fonda, who is this wonderful icon but also had breast implants when she was binging and purging and taking diet pills and telling us all to feel the burn, you know, our mothers anyway, depending on how old we are. And, and it's just influenced us even now, the exercise industry, the beauty industry. And yet when you say you stop caring, it's kind of, you know, you look in the mirror, we, we have to care to some point because we yeah. are women. There is this competitive feeling in the world and in beauty and on television and in movies And it does reflect how we feel about ourselves. And when we feel more confident, we actually achieve more. You know, we're respected more. And it used to be when I was little, you could either be smart or you could be pretty. And now, wow, these poor young women, not poor because they have tons of opportunities in some ways, but they have to be smart and pretty. And the pressure, even for us, you know, to like go to meetings, it takes me forever to get ready and put my makeup on and do my hair and make my body look good in nice clothes. You know, my husband just takes a shower, walks out the door, yeah. right? So, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you mentioned sure. you have to be smart and pretty because I'm glad you brought that up. Because when you look at now these journalists on television, these young women journalists, they are, they're beautiful. Yeah. They're attorneys. They're, you know, PhDs. They have wonderful educations. Right. And they also wear their, uh, whatever they're wearing, very often are very revealing. So you've got this, you know, yeah. woman with a gorgeous body, but at the same time with a big brain. And, uh, you know, that's, mm-hmm. is that what we ha- yeah, have? They have yeah. to compete. Yeah. They have to yeah. compete. My sister is, yeah, my sister's a network news anchor and she, um, you know, she was advised, you know, you should probably get a boob job <laughs> because <laughs> you have to compete on every single level now. 
I mean, the playing field now that we all can see each other it, on the internet and in, the, in our hands on the telephone, these poor young girls, everything is a competition and that can get really scary. And so my mission, I guess, is for women not only to, you know, be very healthy, be aware of the stress of caretaking that can contribute to our vulnerability to things like breast cancer, but also to stop judging ourselves and, and try to try to compete in other ways and, and be more happy in our bodies, you know, and, and I think the more that we're aware at the magazines we see and we, we see women showing their breasts, who's benefiting? I mean, from our perspective, even when we see people at the Met Gala, you know, is it is it empowering to show our breasts as a proud woman or is it exploitative? Because men are going to look no matter how you feel about it. And then we have to be careful because it also makes us very vulnerable. So I think we need to be really aware of how we're presenting ourselves. And I would just like us to be proud of our breasts and look in the mirror and say, that's how I am. And and here's another thing. I know you have another guest uh, coming up. Uh, and even people who are in the trans community net right now, the the first operation most people do is get breasts off or get them on. And that's why the whole gender issue is is so visual. You know, we walk into a room, we have breasts, we don't have breasts, we present them or don't. And I'm not going to ask you whether you decided to wear a bra or not. But when you go outside from finishing recording this morning, are you going to change how you look to go out in the world? You know, and it's not just about lipstick and brushing your hair. It's about how you present your body and how you feel about your breasts when you wake up and look in the morning is really part of that whole vision of how women walk through the world. You know, breasts are, are an organ that, you know, as you said, feed your babies, and then they can also kill you. And they are part of what makes us beautiful. And so it's a big deal. But I love that you're, you know, you talk to your friends when you're little, and I'd love for people to talk now, you know, talk to each other. What do we think about our breasts? And and, and not be in denial of that they're important, but just say, yeah, they are important, and I, I wish I could love them and respect other women and not say, oh, she has big boobs, she's stupid, or she's little and intellectual, or, oh, she got a boob job, and you know, I mean, I've got a big job, I, you know, all my reconstruction and stuff, even, and I still have a tendency to, to not want people to do that. And yet, we all have to live here, you know? We all, every day, as, as the quote says, is like a beauty pageant for women, whether we're smart or not, and mothers or not. Well, Leslie, what about oh. the fact, because you mentioned big boobs, small boobs, and picking the size boobs mm-hmm. that make you feel comfortable or feel good about yourself— but what about the aging population? Because that's a big deal. I mean, because your boobs age too, and they don't necessarily, Absolutely. or they, I wouldn't say they don't look like they did when I, we're talking about some of these young newscasters and who are competing right. with their brains and their boobs. Uh, that's a whole, is that a whole new category? Because women living to be in their 80s, let's say, and even 90s, um, and that's, you know, from 60 on or 65 or maybe postmenopausal, boobs change. Let's Absolutely. Talk, and yeah. that's an interesting question. And the um, it used to be that the women getting breast implants were getting younger and younger. And you'd hear the really rich communities of girls in their sweet 16, which is, I think, you know, I think once a woman's 21, she needs to decide what she wants to do and be smart and, you know, she can deal with it. But I mean, now they're starting to get older and older. And I think it's because we live older, we live longer, and we stay healthier. And we also want to present ourselves in the world and and achieve more. And so I don't know, how old is too old to get a boot job? How old is too old to wear a push-up bra? 
you know, we no longer, you know, the golden girls, I have two daughters and two nieces. I'm surrounded by women. So this is a big cause for me. But my older daughter, who is 34, she loves the golden girls. And that's, you know, there's four women, Betty White and all, all these incredible actresses in comedy living together, retired. And then it turns out that they were 50. I mean, these are the old ladies who were 50. And um, I'm past 50 now. And boy, I I don't relate to those women, you know, living together with their gray hair. I still want to be, I feel, you know, the vitality of life. And I want my body to be fit. And um, it's just a whole different thing. So you're absolutely right. There's a whole different definition of how women present ourselves in the world. And breasts are a part of it, you know, to look good. And you'll see the actresses, the older ones, either they're, if they want a good role, they've got to fit the part, and otherwise they're going to be granny, and then they'll not wear a bra and let their breasts slip down to maybe their <laughs> natural point of gravity. And why is that respected less? You know, these are the wise women who've done it all. So it's it's a real tricky situation for sure. Yeah, it is a tricky situation, and I, I guess, it, you know, it will evolve and will eventually, and we will, I guess, figure it out. You know, I think when you mentioned yeah. the Golden Girls, the gold, I, I was surprised too to learn that they were in their 50s or late 50s. I think they're the same age as the Sex and the City women are today. I mean, it's... it's uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I got, you know, I, I got remarried right before I was 50. And I have to say, and this is, uh, you know, the book, there's a lot of funny scenes because there's just a lot of humor when you look back. But my husband had been, it was his first marriage. He had been a you know, bachelor who was monogamous and his parents were very elderly and he wanted to have a wedding. And I wore a strapless wedding dress, which of course is very common. And I do have a little history of why, you know, because the breasts <laughs> are kind of a dowry. And um, they automatically put bumpers in the top because young girls want to have their boobs look firm. You know, there used to actually be a show called Bridal Plasty on E! And they would award brides a boob job for their wedding, which was just, uh, you know, well, anyway. Um, I got in my dress and I had been in a hurry. My car was broken down that day and I didn't have a time to do this final fitting. And I got to the wedding venue, this tiny little place on the beach in Malibu, you know, for mostly his family and friends. I had been married. My small family was there, my children. And, um, oh, my gosh, my daughter zipped up my dress and my boobs were so high, you know, and I just, I was so afraid of lifting my arms and having my boobs pop out and having his family think that I was a floozy because you can see my boobs so high in the top of my, my wedding gown, you know, it's like, oh, boobs are always a trial. And I was 50. So it's like, could I, you know, was that cheap to have boobs at 50? I wanted boobs. I had boobs, you know, it's always a challenge how we want to present ourselves. Yeah, well, I, I'm th- as you're describing that, I'm thinking your boobs up to your neck, but uh, you know, your bathing <laughs> suits, and uh, it's an ordeal for most women to try oh, on yes. bathing suits, and a, yes. a lot of it's, it it has to do with your boobs, either too small or too big or the wrong shape, and it, it's a you know, it's a day's yeah. How work. much to show? How and much to yeah. show? Yeah, in, much- yeah, for sure. And who do you show it to? I was trying on bathing suits the other day, and it's like, okay, I'm a, I'm an adult woman. With my husband, I want to wear a sexy suit, but but maybe not like with my daughter's boyfriend, yeah. you know. And so, how do I present my body? You know, forget the ones that show your whole butt. That's a trend; it'll come and go. But every year, the swimsuit designers have not caught up with the culture. You're either Madonna or you're whore. You know, yeah. we're either matronly old moms or we're sexy. And that's a tricky situation as well. 
the boobs are kind of always a problem. And this summer, every time, everyone listening, when you go to the pool, I mean, don't give up and not swim. Why should you not be able to enjoy the summer and go in the water? But what are you going to wear? It's, a, it's, you know, it's kind of fun to think about. Yeah, it, Europeans don't seem to have the same issue that we do. It's a different culture. I mean, uh, we were in, this was on a beach in, I, I think it was in Italy. And the old women, old, really heavy women, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, they had bikinis on. I mean, and yeah. skippy ones. And that was well, those, acceptable. Yeah. It is. Those women, you know, they tend to respect the aging process a lot better. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Hollywood, you know, where I live in an industry that I worked in, and, and there's stories in the book about that. Of, I mean, there's so much more in the book about how I realized I was supporting this industry that was kind of working against me and my, my body. But we influence the world and we're all about, you know, advertising and, and the beauty of youth and everything like that. And I think the, you know, when we go over to these older cultures, the, it, there's a huge trickle in. I've been doing interviews in Spain and, and London and all these different countries. But um, the population, as it ages over there, they're more respectful of their elders. You know, they're smaller countries. They live closer together. They share the caretaking responsibilities. And so women are a little bit more respected as they get older. And um, it's, you know, the bodies reflect that. They don't have to work so hard. And yet the ones who are coming out of those as famous as celebrities are adhering more to the American standards of youth and beauty. So it's interesting to see the evolution. And um, I guess I'm hoping it comes goes the reverse. You know, <laughs> that American women can feel good about their bodies, and not that not to stop caring, but to feel beautiful in our bodies yeah. at every age. Well, given that we have a couple of minutes left, I want you, we obviously didn't cover everything in the book. Everybody's got to read the book. Um, I'm talking to Leslie Lair, A Boob's Life, How America's Obsession Shaped Me and You. Uh, two things. Tell us where, uh, you know, we can get the book. And also, the I mentioned it earlier, I think, I guess, in the intro, the HBO Max, uh, the comedy about a boob's life. When is that coming out? When? Uh, yeah. And give us some information about well, that. Uh, Discovery Channel bought HBO Max and has split HBO and Max. So now there's no telling when anything will happen. And of course, in the United States, there's also a writer's strike with the, the uh, Writers Guild. So everything is put on hold indefinitely, and there's just no telling of when anything will happen. So um, I would recommend read the book. It's it's an inexpensive paperback now. There's lots of pictures and um, lots more to look at. So it's very exciting, and I'm kind of waiting to see. But, you know, with Hollywood, you never know what's going to happen. So Website, your I website. Do, so, Give us, yeah. yeah, tell us your um, website. Yeah. Yeah. My website is my name, L-E-S-L-I-E-L-E-H-R. But if you Google a boob's life, you will find me. <laughs> and um, you will find so many other things. I mean, the book was praised in People Magazine and Glamour and the New York Times and Good Morning America. And it's just really hitting a nerve here. And so you can order the book from anywhere. And I'm also on all the social media channels, you know, as Leslie Lair author. But you can find everything and lots more information. And there's even a song about... Um, a Boob's Life, which is a nice campy 60s song that I wrote with some musician friends and um, videos and things like that on my website, which is lesslielair.com. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Love talking what to you. What a pleasure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, really appreciate it. <laughs> and 
I, you know, you just mentioned there are a lot of pictures in the book, you know, and I'm listening to it on Audible. So like, I, I guess I have to do both, right? Um, Get the book and that's listen me. to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's me uh, reading it on Audible. And that was yeah, I know. very that's, tricky trying yeah. not to laugh and cry, not to cry. And yeah. And then and the paperback does have a new chapter that I have not recorded yet on Audible about my experiences last summer and also brings the politics up to 2023. Oh, but I'm, okay. I end on a, on a hopeful ending. So Great. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Leslie. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. <laughs> 